A quick note before this week's episode, it was recorded during the 2023 WGA and SAG-AFTRA strikes. Without the labor of the writers and actors currently on strike, the film being discussed here would not exist. Well, this is a fabulous surprise. It's so heartening to have such young visitors. We get so lonely here, don't we? That's why I create my statues. They're my only company. Daughter of Athena. How do you know me? You have such beautiful hair. I once had hair like that. I was courted, desired by many suitors. But that all changed because of your mother, the woman who cursed me. Who turned me? Don't look into this. Hey, everybody, I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Andy McIntyre. This is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver linings. Hell yeah, we do. Yep. Uh, and it is August. Yep. And for the month of August, we are taking a look at movies that sounded real good on paper and then did not come through in the final product. Yeah, I don't know why. I feel like for some reason, you and I were trying to think of a theme for August and we were like, you know, maybe we should reflect on movies where, I don't know, like... It would have really helped to have a great writer or some great actors just be a part of it. Like, maybe that really would have tipped the scale. Yeah. Maybe if there was, like, they really valued the work of the writers or the actors, then... Yeah, maybe if the labor was respected and, uh, you know... Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe that'll come maybe. up this month. We'll see. Maybe. We'll see if we talk maybe. about that this month. Who knows? Well, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Anything's possible. Uh, but we started off with Percy Jackson and the Olympians, The Lightning Thief. Yes, based on uh, a series of books directed by Chris Columbus, not that one, the other one. <laughs> yes, not the uh, explorer from the late 1400s, the, yeah. the filmmaker that did Home Alone and the first two Harry Potter movies. Yep, which I would imagine the first two Harry Potter movies were probably the selling point. Maybe, the, I don't know, maybe the producers of this really loved Home Alone. But it definitely feels like this was meant to be the launch of a Harry Potter-like franchise. Yes, because it is based on a book series that, while not quite as popular as the Harry Potter series, quite popular with the young adult audience. Yes, uh, and I've read them, and they're fantastic. Oh, nice. That but, will be very helpful, because I have not read them. So Yeah, no, they they are uh, delightful. And um, as a kid, one of my favorite things was Greek mythology. I was a big, like, Greek myth and all that stuff. I was super into it. So uh, I would have absolutely devoured these had they come out when I was more the contemporary intended audience. But 
Uh, I know I read them after the fact because I, you know, I heard they were good, and the books are a lot of fun. I mean, you know, definitely young adult, like in probably like geared towards middle school, similar audience to Harry Potter, and uh, but yeah, they're super fun. And then the, this movie came out. Well, that's one of the first problems and perhaps biggest problems is this character Percy Jackson in the book I was reading is uh 12 years old and yeah in the movie he is 17 and I again I haven't read these books but I was just sort of reading about them and I know that a lot of the plot of the series revolves around things happening up to and then on his 16th birthday (laughs) yeah um no so this that's one of those things like I would say that might be the least of the problems. Well, um, well, I, but I will say, what's the name of the author? I like, I have it. Rick, uh, Rick Reardon. Rick Reardon. I, I will say, because you can actually find if you dig into it that he wrote uh, letters to the studio and he's published them on like his website, and I think he makes a pretty compelling case where he says. That, you know, like he's the author. He goes out and he talks about this book and he meets the fans. The fan base is 12 year olds. So, like, I think that is a big problem in that you're changing it to teenagers, which, yeah, might not seem like that big a deal. Like Game of Thrones did that. I don't think it mattered that they I think it actually helped Game of Thrones on screen to have Jon Snow be older and to have, you know, these characters because really horrible, upsetting things happen to them, and it, it's better if they're a little older. Twenty and not twelve. <laughs> yes. So I think that like sometimes that does make sense, but no, if if your audience is twelve year olds and the character is supposed to be twelve, and the books are read by twelve year olds and they're expecting a twelve year old Percy Jackson, I imagine that would be off putting to them for him to be seventeen. <laughs> I I would I, see. I would say definitely a problem. The tip of the iceberg as far as problems. Oh, yeah, there are other problems, but I just thought that was a good place to start. No, it's um. so we've been very clear on this podcast that books and movies are different things mm-hmm. and, and cannot be judged by similar metrics. That being said, this is a horrendous adaptation of a delightful book. Yeah, and it it seems like one of those cases that happens from time to time, which is always strange, which is they buy something because the book is popular and then don't seem like they read the book or understand or care. And that's the thing. You get the sense. Because it worked one time with The Shining. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It worked one time when Stanley Kubrick did it. (laughs) Uh, he's like, yeah, I want to do a haunted house story. And, uh, oh, Stephen King wrote one. Cool. You going to read the book? Nah. No, what is it? Just give me, give me like the bullet points. Okay. Guys in, uh, like a big property. He's a property manager and he's trying to write and he goes crazy and his family's there. I, I got it. Yeah. No, no more. Cool. <laughs> what red rum? Got it. All right. <laughs> uh, I'll fill in the blanks. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And like. Because we'll never talk about The Shining on this show because it's amazing. It's such a fantastic movie. Maybe the Stephen Weber a- one. <laughs> Maybe the Stephen Weber one. But uh, like the Stephen Weber one is fine. Yeah, it's fine. Um, yeah. It's, it's fine. Uh, but like The Shining is a horrendous, like, does not get the point of the book. No. Like, it's It is a horrible adaptation, but it's such a great movie. Well, yeah. I mean, that's a good example of 
in the book, the point is this like slow descent into madness. And in the movie, it's like a crazy man goes crazier. <laughs> yeah. I mean, casting Jack Nicholson is a choice at the top of that. Yeah. What if he started at a 10 and went up from there? <laughs> <laughs> and finished the movie at a 74. Yeah. Um, but no, but we're not talking about The Shining. We're talking about Percy Jackson and the Olympians. Yeah, I think um, I think the fact that they aged up everybody, while probably logistically easier for like child work laws, again, labor, huh? Look at that. Weird how that comes up. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, that that so just to recap, if someone just started the podcast eight minutes in, I think two things that we've said is like uh, the writer of this was important and uh, labor and the actors that they cast matter. Yeah. Um, although Logan Learman was 17, I think, when this was actually like filmed. Um, so he was actually a teenager, uh, whereas everybody else was the typical casting 20 somethings as teenagers. Yeah. Pierce Brosnan is uh, 20. He's, yes, he's 20 in real life and he's playing a teenager in this movie. Yeah. Uh, ditto Sean Bean. Yeah. Um, Who, w look, I mean, we're not at Silver Linings yet, but Sean Bean. In one of the last Made shots of that movie, just hanging out. So like, still alive, buddy. He's on the last page. He is. Yeah. I, it made me um, happy. Yeah. Sean Bean did not see that Michael Caine interview where how Michael Caine picks scripts. <laughs> um, anyways. Uh, but yeah, this movie, like, because we kind of got a sidetrack talking about The Shining, but this movie, like, takes the loosest, loosest adaptation of the book. Like, it has some of the plot beats, others it changes entirely. Um, well, and from what I was reading, too, and maybe you can speak on this more, but, like, it seems like it made changes sometimes just to make changes, where it's like... Mm -hmm, 100%. It, that we have to get a this necklace, you know, or whatever, from this statue. Like, that they just made up, like, a side quest for the story. Well, where, where you're already yeah, so trying to save... You're trying to get the lightning bolt back to Zeus, and it's like, well, also, we need this other thing as well. No, th this movie has the plot of a video game. Yes. That's a lot of fetch a quest. <laughs> like, like it's so the, the general like the inciting event, whatever you want to call it, is uh, that Zeus's lightning bolt goes missing. And uh, Percy Jackson, being the son of Poseidon, is one of the people blamed for it. He's because, like the person blamed for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because the like top three gods are not allowed to have children. Yeah. Because they did that too much back in the day. And they're like, all right, this, this needs to stop. Which is tough, but fair. I mean, you read that mythology and they... someone and needed having to, babies. Someone needed to put a stop to it. Yeah, that needed to, that needed to end. Um, Which but I will, either way... and I will say and that so too, it, that, like, I don't know if this is in the book or not, but, like, I, one of the things that did stand out to me from the mythology to, like, at least this version is... These gods seem way more preoccupied with their kids. Where like the the Greek gods, I remember like they were like eh, whatever. I don't know. Yeah, like, we got kids. Very free range parenting, just sort of yes. you know let them find their own way. Yeah, and I mean there is some of that, but it's like it's it's a mix. Yeah, let's just say. Um, and in the movie, uh, they somehow get a tip that the. Well, also, Percy's mom is in the underworld, so they have to, like, go get her. And that's somehow related tangentially to the stuff. And so, uh, clearly not a bad guy, Luke, offers them uh, 
help to get this stuff. And they trust him uh, unquestioningly because he seems yes. like a stand up guy. Yeah, clearly not the villain in disguise, Luke. Um, poof. Anyways, uh, sends them on this fetch it quest where they have to get three pearls that will let them return from the underworld. Uh, and of course, they don't have any questions about that because then they're like, yeah. So the three of us are going to go and we're going to get my mom. And then we have the three pearls to get the four of us back. Don't see any math problems there. Yep. Yeah. Um, and whereas like. The book is more of just like a typical. It's sort of the, the Joseph Campbell hero's journey where there's the call to action. They go on the quest. Obstacles get put in the way. Uh. And then they return back to the start having changed. Which, again, I mean, Campbell's work was based on mythology, so it really right. is so full it, circle. It fully tracks. Yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> it, no it, but I mean, no, the, like the especially this first Percy Jackson book um, really does fit that story circle as uh, or the, like the hero's journey as Joseph Campbell sort of outlined it. Um, and it's not a fetch it quest. It's just like. While they're because they're, they know that the entrance to the underworld is in Los Angeles, so they have to get across the country. And through that journey, like they run into some of these complications, like they run, they come upon Medusa uh, instead of fighting the Hydra at some place that doesn't actually exist in Tennessee. Uh, they fight another monster at the Gateway Arch and there's like a, and then they end up at the Lotus Eaters Hotel um, as they work their way through. You know, but it's just like part of the journey, like that's, you know just complications that come up as part of the quest like odyssey style yeah yeah which makes sense and i think it would have been enough uh, but i think that's what i was trying to say is it's look sometimes you know stuff that works in books isn't going to work in movies vice versa or sometimes you have ideas sure. or you're going to streamline things movies are shorter etc cetera, etc cetera. but it's weird to add nonsensical sort of you know side quests to a thing that's already a novel. It doesn't right. seem necessary. No, and because like in the novel, like the pearls are a thing, but someone just gives them the pearls when they know like, oh, no, this is a trap. Like you need a way to get back here. Here's a way to get back. Like yeah. that's like a thing that happens. Which, by the way, what do you think? Like, was it lateral? Was it worse for uh, Catherine Keener, the mom character to go from terrible Joey pants to Hades? Like. It, that's lateral, right? That doesn't seem like her life at, changed. <laughs> at best, it's a lateral move. I think it's I I think Stephen Coogan's a step up from from terrible Joey Pants. Plus, there's like a chance you might get to hang out with Rosaria Dawson, which, you know, it seems way more fun. <laughs> Always a win. Um, which Rosario Dawson continuing her tradition of being paired with uh, terrible men <laughs> that yeah. don't deserve her. As, as, Right. Um, perfect casting for Persephone. Yeah. One of history's greatest uh, woman that deserves better than the man that she stuck with. <laughs> Maybe the archetype that that trope is based on. Yeah. All of Rosario Dawson's characters have been based on this myth. That's why she's always eating pomegranates in all of yeah, her movies. That's why she effing loves those pomegranates. <laughs> um, I don't know if this goes in the... I mean... Rosario Dawson always value added, always a silver lining. But I feel like I can't. I feel like it's not 
No, we're gonna save it. Let's let's talk about what Rosario Dawson when we actually talk about the silver linings. All right. Um, well, because she makes choices. Well, can we talk about Catherine Keener now then? And like, what a waste it was to oh, have her man. play the mom. What in this a waste. Game. Yeah. Catherine Keener, one of my all time favorite actresses. Um, she's amazing in everything. Uh and yeah, she's just they didn't they didn't need Catherine Keener for this role. No, I it, look, I, I don't know if in the book how good the role is, but like on paper here, she gets nothing to do or play and she deserved better. Yeah, in, in the book, there's like a few heartfelt moments where uh, they sort of talk about. They build the, the relationship stronger rather than just trusting that people assume a mother and son have a strong bond. Uh, the book shows it. Um, and, you know, like show some of their like inside jokes and how they relate to each other and like what his favorite meal is and how like it's like very unique. And I think it's like she makes these like blue chocolate chip cookies that are because like, blue is his favorite color. And like that's like a thing that's special to them. And so they have all these little little bits to show that the, that is that is she is doing her best. And um, and they go deeper with the fact that like. um, And they explain why she's. Because I don't think they really address why she's with uh, Joey Pants in the movie. Uh, but in the book, like they basically explain that mythological creatures tend to avoid humans by and large. And so she picked this like the most human human she could in Joey Pants <laughs> as a way to help protect. Uh, Percy, ja protect Percy from being killed by mythical creatures. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, and so she's like making that sacrifice. Uh, as a way to, you know, protect him because uh, she's like, well, <laughs> Joey Pants is the smelliest human. So these monsters will never be able to smell the demigod <laughs> around this turd. <laughs> yeah, I, none of that's in the movie. In the movie, she's just lady who is mom. Right. Yeah. And I'm just I'm going to say it on behalf of all of us. You know, you deserved better. I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. I am for real. I never meant to make your daughter cry. <laughs> and we've apologized a million At times. At least a million times. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, that felt necessary. <laughs> yeah, it, I, oh, it, it was. I didn't know how necessary it was until it happened. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah. Catherine Keener, utter waste. Mm -hmm. Hell, even Joey Pants is a waste. Cause, yeah. Like, well, and he, the thing is, I mean, I get it's a kid's movie, but he could dial that up way more. You know, like he can play that character better. And he, I mean, like he is another just great character actor. One of the best at playing a slime ball. Yeah. I like that's kind of been his thing. Um, You know, whether it's one of the 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 Fratelli brothers in Goonies up through Cypher and the Matrix and just sort of everywhere he shows up. Ralph, Ralphie, I think, in uh, The Sopranos. Ralph Sofretto. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. And and he could have gotten the chance to play that at an 11 or 12. Yeah. Which it's like you get you get enough of it that it works. But yeah, you could have gotten way more. No, it felt like um, that Chris Columbus was like, eh, they're going to trust. They see it's Joey Pants. They're going to know it's a scumbag. So like, we'll be all right. <laughs> yeah. We don't need it. We don't need to do anymore. Yeah. Moving on. All right. But yeah, I mean, I think that's some of the broad strokes. I, the other things that I do think we need to talk about is I just. No one in this movie talks like a human being talks. I was really curious what you were going to pick for the audio clip at the beginning, because there are just so many 
just wrote exposition dumps i thought maybe you'd pick one of those uh, i like that you picked uma thurman as medusa that was a good choice i tried to pick something fun <laughs> I, I think I, I mean i think you succeeded yeah like, there's a lot of this that isn't fun yeah which again i mean put a pin in uma thurman's medusa character because yes. we might be talking about that later yeah we might um but yeah it's like nobody talks like a person no Ever. and and you nailed it too it's a lot of the ways that they talk are just exposition i mean this movie starts with zeus and poseidon just having the least organic conversation ever where it's like my son percy jackson you know has, is being accused of stealing your lightning bolt zeus and now that he has time clock to like get it right. back now to that you. ticking clock inserted where it's just like, I don't even think any of this scene needs to happen. And it definitely doesn't need to happen like this. No. And it's like. Yeah, all of it is. So like one of the big things in the in the book, in the world of the book, is that there's a phenomenon known as mist. And that essentially shrouds all of the like mythical creatures and lets them pass through day to day life without humans knowing them, knowing like that they're there, which I think is a smart like hand wave to like explain how these worlds exist separate from each other. I think it's better than Harry Potter. Oh, we just don't tell anyone. Yeah, like that's dumb and bad. <laughs> um, it's like we all agree to keep it a secret. Okay. That always works. Um, when a lot of people all decide to keep something a secret, that usually is yeah, easy the, the, to make happen. No, never, never, never an issue. Which is also, it's um, funny too, because, you know, like you think about like Men in Black has the, um, you know, the flashy thingies that can like erase someone's mind. You wrote a story with literal magic. So you could just constantly have people figuring out that they exist and then just like yeah you wave a wand and like it does happen a couple of times like they have the the people whose job it is to erase muggles memory and stuff but either way so but anyways in the movie there's like in the the world of the book there's a thing called mist and that's how that sort of shrouds the mythical world um and most people can't see through it and only people that have like divine blood can or whatever right the opening shot of this movie is a random fisherman reacting to giant Poseidon walking up the beach at Coney Island. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, ju it just sets up the fact that like, yeah, we didn't read the books. No, we didn't do our homework. No, no, they obviously did not. Uh, yeah, I, I do have like, if we want an excerpt, um, this is from one of the, the letters that he sent to the studio, the, the writer, uh, the script as a whole is terrible. I don't simply mean that it deviates from the book, though certainly it does. And to that point of almost recognize uh, ah, and to the point of being almost unrecognizable as the same story, fans of the book will be angry and disappointed. They will leave the theater in droves and generate horrible word of mouth. That is an absolute given if the script goes forward as it stands now. But the bigger problem is that even if you pretend the book doesn't exist the script doesn't work as a story in its own right <laughs> and like 
Well, there's, you know, at least a sprinkling of sour grapes on that just because, like, he didn't like the way his book was adapted. He's not wrong at all. No, I mean, he's being blunt. And I also definitely imagined this does not endear you to the studio if you're trying to get them to make changes. But tell tell me the lie. You know? <laughs> yeah. Tell me when he's telling lies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, t- he's not. Um yeah, it's uh, yeah, this movie, man, like it, it literally feels like someone didn't even read the Wikipedia synopsis, like read the dust jacket for the book. And it's like, I got this. Well, it's also it gets into a weird question, too, of I guess they just figured the name was going to bring people in, because if you're not going to adapt the book faithfully, why bother at all when the book is just based on Greek myths. You could just do your own thing. Like, if you don't want to do what the book did, just write your own movie. Like, you could, we could all do that, by the way. It's just a, an idea of, I don't know, if for some reason you were mad at the studios right now and you wanted to make your own thing. No one can stop you from making a movie about Thor. That's a public domain character. You could just go out, say that you're a writer and you have nothing to do right now and your friends are actors and they're also not working at the moment. You could just make a Thor movie. Just saying that. Just putting that out there. You could 100% make a Thor movie. Yeah. And hell, if you wanted to say capitalize on something that was maybe teased a little bit in another movie, you could have Thor fight Hercules. You could definitely have Thor fight Hercules. Those are both characters from mythology that are super available, you know? So just... And hell, if you wanted Winnie the Pooh to be there, he could too. Yeah. And pretty soon you could add Steamboat Willie into that mix. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we're not we're not saying anything. We're just saying. Yeah. Just just. And also, all of this can take place uh, in the world of the Great Gatsby. <laughs> yes. Uh, and there can be a Dracula and a Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Making out in the in the corner. Yeah, they can. Yeah. The whole time. Like you could do that. OK. No one so- can stop you. Uh, okay, this is what, yeah, I think this is the idea, right? So you have, you do the classic, so you start with Thor fighting Hercules because they're fighting over <laughs> the girl that uh, used to date, well, Jane, obviously, is her name. That's a generic name. You you can use that. Uh, yeah. But uh, <laughs> that Thor used to date her and now she's married to Hercules. And so Thor's been throwing all these parties uh at, you know at um you know in asgard right <laughs> hoping to get her which is attention. which is right across the street from olympus hoping yeah. that she'll notice hoping that she'll notice. and one day show up to the party <laughs> and one day show up and so all of that happens uh, and then his cousin frankenstein but that's what uh, i mean or, is well it? no <laughs> jane's cousin frankenstein just happens to be uh renting the guest house next door to uh, mount olympus or, or asgard sorry yeah <laughs> We did it. Yeah, we did it. Yeah. Um, perfect. No notes. And then... Um, Car accident Her- on the Rainbow then Bridge. Then Hercules commits vehicular manslaughter. <laughs> yeah, on the Rainbow Bridge. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. Oh, God, I want this movie to exist. I mean, it can. It can it be can. yours. There's no one can stop anyone from doing that. <laughs> it is... Yeah, no one... That is, that is open. Feel free to use it. Yeah. Yeah, let's all, um, let's all meet up and make it. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I I wish I knew what was going on in the writer's mind of this movie because I think it has a writer. I'm pretty sure it has a writer. I mean, it must have. If yeah, someone someone took the original script and you know the original story of the book and made it this. That happened. And so, like, so I definitely I wonder like. It's like, well, no one's going to believe they just happened upon all these mythological creatures. We need to have a reason. Fetch it, Quest. Yeah. Perfect. Also, we, I don't know, we can't film in San Francisco for some reason, so we'll just make up a weird town? Yeah, sure. All right. Why I, not? I'm probably ready to pivot, though, if you want to pivot. like. I mean, yeah. Let's. Yeah, I think we covered it. I think people get it, you know? Yeah, this movie, this is one of those instances, like, it is a horrendous adaptation. And still also, it's unfaithfully adapted and a terrible movie. Yeah. All that's true. Uh, Yeah. Uh, But what a cast. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, they got great actors and they did a lot of them dirty. But yeah, it is a fantastic cast. So you've got... Pierce Brosnan, uh, Joe, Joe Pantoliano, Catherine Keener, Rosario Dawson, Sean Bean, uh, Kevin McKidd, who was popular at the time for being on Grey's Anatomy. Um, Thank you for filling that in for me. <laughs> he played uh, Poseidon. Um, you actually, they actually had Ray Winstone as Ares and cut him out of the movie, even though he's the primary antagonist in the book. Sure. You don't need him. You don't need him if you're not following the book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, also, I mean, Alexandra uh, Daddario. Alexandra Daddario. Yeah. Uh, Brandon T. Jackson, Logan Learman, like. All have had very successful work outside of this movie. Oh, and also, I mean, you mentioned him before, but Steve Coogan, obviously. Is Steve the, Coogan. Yeah. yeah. The Coogs. The Coogs. The Coogs. Love the, the Coogs. Yeah. Everyone loves the Coogs. Um. Yeah, it's it it is a really a lot of really great actors in this movie. Um and and they're all almost enjoyable all, to see. Yeah. They they all have some tin dialogue to try to sell. <laughs> like Yeah, um I like when people literally just said the words lightning thief. I enjoyed that yeah. a lot. Was, I'm surprised they didn't just stare at the camera and hear there's like a <laughs> lightning bolt sound effect when they did it. Um, I, I love that Brandon T. Jackson is basically playing the exact characters he was making fun of in Tropic Thunder. Yes. Yeah. Uh, is essentially what's happening. Um, although he's. I'm amazed he hasn't done more because he is very charismatic and has a lot of presence. Yeah, no, he really is. And I, I did enjoy him in this, even though his yeah, character same. is strange, like in this. Um Yeah, uh Logan Learman, I've liked I, I really liked him in uh Perks of Being a Wallflower. He was good in this. You know, he's doing his best. I love his Stanley name that he's got the alliteration, you know, sounds yeah. like a character in Marvel. Yeah. Um yeah, uh, uh, let's let's talk about Rosario Dawson to I'll, start with. Anytime, yeah. If you had to tell me, like, if you had, if you were to ask me, what is the horniest performance that Rosario Dawson has put on screen? It might be this. Yeah, I'm trying. What was that <laughs> one? 
<laughs> she did. Um, where it was her and uh, the James McAvoy. What was that movie? That might be the horniest movie that I've ever seen mm. her in. But, um, but yeah, keep talking about this. I'm going to remember what that's called. Also, I mean, he got game, I think, is also in the conversation for horniest Rosario Dawson performance. <laughs> um, but, like, let me rephrase it and, and qualify it as, like, the most out of place horny performance. Because this is a movie for 12-year-olds, and she is just real horned up the whole time. Also, I mean, Sin City's pretty horny, at, you know, like, as is Rent. But it, but it makes sense in those movies. Like, it oh, just yeah, feels yeah. so out of place in this. Um, Because she's, like, lusting after uh, Brandon T. T. Jackson's character. One of her lines of dialogue is, I've never had a satyr before in a kid's movie a kid's movie well she's just letting everybody know you know yeah great i also by the way i know we're past the maligning but in addition to not really following the book they also just don't follow basic greek mythology by having persephone be in like the underworld during uh the the springtime yeah during the springtime when that's supposed to be when she's allowed out out so you know there's that basic thing yeah there's that bit (laughs) so there's something to something to consider um it's just i just appreciate that they ignored all source material you know yeah all of it (laughs) every last bit of it trance Um, trance was the name of the movie that i was thinking of hmm. it's pretty horny i believe i'm sure you know the more you're talking about well no actually she does give a lot of horny you know what i think the question is can we name a (laughs) non-horny rosario dawson performance kids oh wait yeah. <laughs> i haven't seen her star wars show yet i don't know i don't know how horny that character is yeah i mean she wasn't that horny in the episodes of mandalorian that she was in as that character that's true but she had a lot of uh exposition to get through yeah that's, maybe on her um, downtime <laughs> jersey or not jersey girl clerks too not very horny but still kind of horny still kind of horny she does talk about like banging dante in the freezer section of the Movies. I also believe, and again, I apologize because this is an episode about a kid's movie, but I believe the words ass to mouth are said in that movie. <laughs> that's, yeah, that that is something that's said in both movies, actually. Yeah. No. Um, they cut that. Yeah. For, that was in the book of Percy Jackson, but it's <laughs> yes. one of the things. I didn't read the full letter, uh, but that was one of the things. It was like, the ass that's to one mouth is One of the, so the line items. To- He's like, <laughs> if there was one line of dialogue that I wanted you to keep persephone to have it's sometimes it's okay to go ass to mouth (laughs) um because that's why she's in the underworld but like i i will say even though like the dialogue is thin and it's not good like everybody seemed like they were having fun and i mean i will say like i enjoyed everyone legit but if you wanted the two times I got most excited for someone to show up and the the two times that I felt like energy was really injected into the movie based on just their appearance. It was Rosario Dawson and it was Uma Thurman. Yes. Yeah. Uh, One of the things I read uh, in the IMDb trivia is that Uma Thurman just spent time handling snakes as research for her character. Guarantee that's the most research anyone did for their part. Yeah. Again, I don't um, know. I mean, Rosario Dawson might have eaten some pomegranate. 
She might, she might have eaten some pomegranates. That's true. <laughs> and she certainly dated a lot of uh, played characters that are dating men beneath her station. So I did. I read that that Sean Bean uh, went around putting forks into outlets for this role. Yeah, that's true. He died 17 <laughs> times in his research for this role. That's what people don't understand. The reason that he dies so many times in movies is because he's immortal. Right. Yeah. It's just a fun fact. Um, and it's just, just so we can experience it. The novelty of it. Um, no, Uma Thurman gives the exact right amount of cheesy performance as Medusa. Like it is so the exact right over the top performance. It's so good. It's because she handled all those snakes. It is because she handled all those snakes. I think that came through when I was watching it. I was like, this Medusa seems like she's handled some snakes. She looks like she's handled a snake or three. (laughs) Uh, but no, I thought she was great. Yeah. And again, like like I said, I mean, the whole cast I enjoy, but people weren't given enough to do. Um, you know, I but I, you know, the good job on the casting director. Actors are great. I love actors. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, this this movie is like, I wish I could say that it was fun. Do you know what? I will say this. If we're going to give it one more silver lining, I did like the the casino sequence yeah that's another scene that was a bit that was i think well executed yeah where it was clear like what was going on i enjoyed it like i thought it was fun you know and i thought everyone that was where uh like uh daddario like i really liked her when she was sort of under the influence yeah you know just like no it's a party what are you talking about you know and it it was like it was a good like modern twist on something from Greek myths. It was obviously like the Lotus Eaters from the Odyssey. Right. No, that was really what it was, is that scene. And I'm guessing that's from the book, like pretty directly. That that was probably the closest to the book of anything in the movie. But it was also, that's what I had as someone who hasn't read the book. It, to me, it was the closest to Greek mythology where it's like, I recognize what you're doing. A lot of times you're just naming people that i've this heard is of a medusa and a hydra yeah but i was like that scene felt like modernizing a greek myth and i really did enjoy that yeah yeah um yeah and you know it was i i will say too as you know this is a little one but you know i like movies for escapist fantasies so the idea that you could just walk right up to the hollywood sign like that from your car you know, that's that's a dream living in L.A. that it would, you know, <laughs> that there's not a grueling hike that you have to do first <laughs> to get to that. You sign. Just drive right to the edge of the Hollywood sign. And yeah, not a couple miles up a hill. Yeah. Also, a solid bit that that's the entrance to the underworld. Yeah. That, I mean, that that tracks. That makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. There was some fun stuff. I get like, I think maybe the biggest silver lining is that they're they're getting another chance. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that Disney Plus is is going to be doing a series that Rick Reardon is heavily involved in. Yes, that they actually get this, are letting the guy who wrote it have more creative control this time. They're having him write it. It's crazy. It's I a know. Crazy concept. Um, it's, it's, what, a, what an idea. <laughs> but yeah, so, uh, so hopefully... I think that's going to be a recurring theme this month is that Things are getting a second chance with the actual creators being involved. I don't know why. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. It's weird how weird. stuff works. 
weird wild stuff but um, uh but yeah so i think that's the main points obviously hit us up uh if you want to be in our soon to be filming uh you know hercules meets uh, uh thor, thor great gatsby thor yeah thor instead of odinson that's going to be the one update he's going to be thor gatsby yeah thor gatsby yeah thor great herclesby <laughs> the mighty gatsby the mighty the mighty gatsby <laughs> yeah it's it coming soon to a Tubi. <laughs> is that, are people mad at Tubi? I don't know how we all are supposed to feel about them I, right I, now. I don't. I don't know how. I don't know. I'm not. I. I don't know if Tubi's one of the villains here, but I don't. I don't even know. <laughs> I. I think Tubi is run by uh, three chipmunks with a laptop. So I think that it's you know it's hard to be mad at them because that's adorable. Well, yeah, they go when someone wants to watch them. They go find the DVD and plug it into a DVD player. <laughs> We've established that. It, that is canon. In and this. then hits share. <laughs> yeah, they're literally just, they have a webcam and they just point it at their TV. <laughs> um, you know, so. Yep. Solidarity. Do you, like, here's my question that I've always wondered. This isn't just related to that, but like, what? You always see the gods and they're like, they sit around on Olympus and they look down on us. But like, do they, they just sit there? They, they just, that would get so boring. I mean, I guess once you've seen everything, nothing's exciting anymore. Yeah. Do you think they were like, are they like changing the channel? Like, are they like, no, no, this guy's going to, you know, just uh, steal from his job, fall asleep. Yeah. I, I I don't know and I don't want to know. Well, I don't know and I do want to know. Agree to disagree. Silver Linings Playback is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. This is Philip. And Katie. And Bridget. And we're three friends who like movies. Especially movies of yore when we were small and everything seemed awesome. Now we're revisiting these bright shining beacons of our youth and figuring out if they are for real. So sit back and relax and revisit the best. The worst. And everything in between from the 80s and 90s. And find out. Is is it for for real? real?